We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal On today's show, more on the narcissism, the disease of narcissism that plagues our culture right now, where we have exponential gain of girls claiming their boys, self-identifying as boys. And we have stars like Naomi Osaka leaving the French Open for no reason other than she needs self-help. There's a common thread here, folks, and I'll talk about it on on today's show. More. Welcome to Today's Rebellion. All right, yesterday I started this topic. I talked to you a little bit about this article from Prager University posted in PragerU, where the stunning reality, the stunning reality of the exponential gain of girls self-identifying as boys. The article was written by Abigail Schreier, and you need to read her book, Why Girls Become Boys. It's stunning. It's stunning. Yesterday I shared with you that the latest statistics indicate that 2% of American high school students now identify as transgender. Now stop and think about it. When you were in school, when you were in school, did you know anyone that identified? I'm learning to hate that word, by the way. I've said over and over again on the shows, words mean something. Words have definition. Words like green and gay and left and right and up and down and male and female have objective definitions. You're not Webster. I'm not Webster. We can't just decide to change the definition of a horse today and decide that a horse is a number. No, a horse isn't a number. It's an animal. It's a mammal. Those words mean something. Horse isn't a fish, a horse isn't a lizard, a horse isn't a dog, a pig, a cat, or a cow. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. A couple of you are old enough to remember that reference to Mr. Ed. We can't just decide to identify as something that we're not. I hate the word now. Even the word identify has been butchered by this culture. Different, to- different topic, different show. Back to Abigail Schreier's article on why girls become boys. 2% of American high school students now identify as transgender. And the overwhelming majority of them are teenage girls. And just a handful of years ago, none of that group of, of uh, gender dysphoric people was teenage girls. It was almost all young boys. And the number... Back then, a decade ago, just a decade ago, was not 2%. It was 1 in 10,000 people, or 0.01% of the population, identified as transgender. Or in other words, was wrestling with gender dysphoria. And back then, it was known, even within the American Psychological Association, the APA, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM, That's what they call it. 
Even then, it was gender dysphoria. It was a psychological illness. It was mental illness. And now we're treating it with celebration in a pride month rather than trying to help these people. Trying to help these people overcome something that is devastating. Something that could lead to them butchering their bodies. And now we actually help them. We help them. We encourage them. Here, take these hormones. Make you feel better. You'll feel more like the way you identify. You'll grow a beard. You'll feel like a man because you take all of this testosterone. And oh, by the way, after you take the testosterone for a while, we'll talk about surgery. You can have a mastectomy. We'll cut off your breasts. There's nothing wrong with them. We'll just cut them off because you feel like you're something that you're not. You can have a hysterectomy. We'll, we'll remove all of your internal sexual organs because that's going to be good for you. Or if you're a male, we'll remove your external sexual organs. This is actually where we are as a culture. We're actually encouraging young people in their early teens or middle teens. We're encouraging teenagers to surgically mutilate themselves. And we think this is a good thing. Well, Abigail Schreier is drawing attention to this problem, this phenomenon of girls thinking that they're boys and how it affects girls and why they think this, why they're embracing this broken ideology, this broken emotional narcissism, really, because it's so much self-focus. It's so much about me, 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 that... They actually want to change me so much that they'll actually go under surgery, under the knife to do so. Abigail Schreier talks about Lisa Littman of Brown University. And she talks about peer influence and social media being behind this trend, behind this narcissism, behind this disease. Peer influence in social media has had a lot to do with this trans teen phenomenon, she says. None of these girls, none of these girls had exhibited symptoms of gender dysphoria at the younger ages when they were five, six, and seven, like we used to understand the disease. We didn't used to understand it as showing itself, exhibiting itself, presenting itself. In later years, it always showed up early, very early in childhood. You have rates of anxiety and depression and instances of self-harm are at record levels right now for our progeny, the generations that follow us. And they want a quick fix. They want a quick fix. They don't want to deal with the difficulty of life as they grow up or become adolescents and they see that, you know, life isn't all Barney and the Mickey Mouse Club and Saturday morning cartoons. No, life brings with it some challenges, some conflict, some dissonance, some pain. There are crises in life that you have to learn how to manage and navigate. Now, and rather than teaching them to do so, helicopter parenting and terrible teaching and terrible preaching has resulted in a generation of little narcissists. A generation that will go hurt themselves 
butcher themselves, change the actual physical reality of themselves. And then you have stars like Naomi Osaka who will walk off the stage, walk off the court, not because of a physical injury, not because of physical reality, not even because she's losing, but because somebody asked a question that compromised her feelings about what? Herself. This is a disease. This is the pandemic that will take down our nation, take down our culture. This is the disease that will destroy Western civilization. Self-focus always results in self-destruction. The solution to this madness is to stop focusing on yourself. Stop putting second things first. Sound familiar? You're not supposed to be the first thing. In fact, Jesus even tells us that repeatedly. Jesus tells us that when you enter a banquet, don't consider yourself to be the big deal. Don't sit at the head of the table. Don't do that. Let the host of the banquet put you there if he wishes. Then you won't be embarrassed sitting in a seat that isn't yours. Stop thinking about yourself as you enter into the banquet hall. The banquet isn't about you in the first place. That's the Piper paraphrase of Jesus' teaching there. And also he tells us what? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. That paradox of recognizing that if you want self-help, to quote Naomi Osaka, then you have to first be selfless. You have to think about things other than yourself. You have to stop worrying about what you see in the mirror. You have to stop this ongoing, dysphoric, unhealthy, unstable fixation on yourself. Let's take a break, acknowledge our sponsors, and when I get back, I'll talk about this Naomi Osaka story a little bit more, and then I'm going to share with you the solution. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So yesterday, I touched upon this article with regard to Naomi Osaka. It's titled, Confusing the Cure with the Disease. Now, he's talking about a disease, too. Okay, I've taken half the show to prime this Prime this idea that, yeah, there is a disease, there is a pandemic, there's something that is threatening our very existence, the very life of Western civilization. And I've suggested that disease is narcissism. This article is titled, Confusing the Cure with the Disease. It was published June 7th, 2021. It's written by Steve Salerno in Quillet, if you want to look it up. One more time on the title, Confusing Cure and Disease by Steve Salerno in Quillet, June 7th. In that article, he shares this particular premise, that the self-esteem movement is a bad thing. Now, I don't know that Salerno is a Christian. I don't know that he's a political conservative. I have no idea. But I do know this. He 
shares my concern. He and I would be on the same page, and he would be on the same page with all of you listening that resonate with this problem. He says his primary target in his writing, in a book even that he published recently, is that the dogma of pop psychology in American society at large is the self-esteem movement. And that's his target. He calls it helicopter parenting and shielding our kids from any problem they might be confronted with in life. And he says that Naomi Osaka is an example of the outcome, an example of this disease. Her abrupt withdrawal from the French Open, he says, demonstrates not only her ideology and the fact that she has this disease of narcissism, of self-esteem, of fixation on self. He's suggesting that the response from the media just proves it even more so because many in the media, ESPN and otherwise, are resonating with her and saying, well, we need to be sensitive and we need to change the way we conduct sports. We need to change the very nature of athletics because she lacks self-esteem and she needs self-help. Salerno calls this a mental health issue. Um, It may be a mental health issue. I think it's a spiritual issue, quite frankly. I just think it's a maturity issue. Um, I guess we need to define what mental health is or mental instability is. Where's the overlap between that and spiritual, spiritual degradation, a void in our heart, mind, and soul that's filled with self rather than the things that really matter, the things that are true and right and real. As we're told in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, and whatever is lovely. Think about such things. In that list, did Paul, St. Paul ever tell us to think about self? No. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, whatever is right and whatever is pure. Think about such things, not self, not self. Anyway, This particular article says that there's been a 62% increase over 2019's numbers in those people who are being screened for anxiety. He says that's a 90, there's a 93% increase between January and September of last year. In other words, he loads this article up with data that shows there's an exponential increase in those that are going and seeing some sort of professional, a counselor, for anxiety and for depression. Naomi Osaka's words, self-help. Then he talks about how we've destroyed our classrooms. We've created an environment in our schools. This is a paragraph from his article. We've created an environment in our schools where we are reimagining every aspect of the classroom experience around the imperative of building self-esteem. And he's questioning this. Did that lend itself to much achievement, to better grades, to better scores, to better comparisons with the way our students perform in basics like math? 
basics, like biology, basics like understanding the things they should understand as the result of going to school in the first place? He says, no, no, we're, we're falling our performance on basic metrics, less like SAT and other standardized test scores, demonstrate that we're falling far behind other nations. Why? Because of the manifold failures of self-esteem-based education. Here's a quote. Listen to this one. This is a take-home. Filling kids with boatloads of self-love did do something, however, quite well. He says, psychologist and author Gene Twinge has chronicled a twofold growth in markers for narcissism in recent generations. She argues that scholastic influence, number one, teachers, and parental reinforcement, number two, parents. Now, they don't mention preachers because this isn't a Christian-based article. But do you get the common theme here? We have a twofold growth, according to this psychologist, Gene Twinge, in markers for narcissism in recent generations because of scholastic influences and parental reinforcement. And it has produced hordes of young adults whose frustrated sense of entitlement left them feeling miserable and anxious. This is from the article. It then goes on and talks about psychologist Roy Baumeister. And he's documented the rage. Sound familiar as you watch the news? Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, the 1619 Project, Portland, Seattle, Kenosha. Does it sound familiar? The rage common among narcissists whose quest for fulfillment ends in disillusion. This anger may be directed toward an outward an outward enemy, or it may be directed inward toward the need to change your very reality. Outward, you're responsible. White privilege, you did this to me. Inward, well, I'm not even what biology and science says I am. I'm going to change that. I'm going to butcher that. I'm going to, through surgery, become something that I really am not. This article is very important. It's a very important article. He's arguing that Osaka's refusal, her announcement to refuse to sit for interviews, that's all she was being asked to do that she didn't want to do. She didn't want to sit for interviews at the French Open. She said that It brings doubt into her mind to have to be subjected to interviews. It hurts her self-esteem. And she doesn't want to subject herself to people that doubt her. Her language brings doubt into her mind, and I'm not just going to subject myself to people that doubt me. Close quote. Now, Salerno, the author of this article, says this, could there be a more ambiguous articulation of precisely the sort of challenge to the self that America's emphasis on self-esteem-based parenting and instruction has left young adults ill-equipped to handle? In other words, what he's saying is that our self-esteem-based 
parenting and the self-actualization, the fixation on self that teaching now employs in our schools is actually killing the self, the healthy self of America's youth, rather than elevating it. This is the self-refuting nature of narcissism. Narcissist gazed at himself so long, infatuated with himself so long, looking at his image so long, ignoring everything else so long that he ultimately withered away, emaciated, weak, ugly, deformed, and slipped into the pool and drowned. Narcissism is always self-destructive. The self-esteem-based parenting, the helicopter parenting of our kids is self-destructive. The teaching that they get in our schools to pay attention to themselves more than mathematics, pay attention to their feelings more than the facts of biology, this teaching is going to result in them slipping into the pool and drowning. It will result it will result in destruction, not actualization. The closing paragraph from Salerno is this, we cannot go back and re-raise the millions of young men and women who were subjected to overparenting and ubiquitous coddling. I disagree with him a little bit right there. What he's saying is we've, we've lost millions of people because of what we did to them. Well, he's ignoring the power of repentance and confession and redemption. He's ignoring the power of revival and great awakening. He's ignoring the power of the gospel, that we're all born selfish and narcissistic, but that we can be born again. We can be born again. That's the power of the message of Christ, that you can change and I can change, and we can all change, and we can stop looking at ourselves, and we can start looking toward something bigger and more important and more eternal than what you see in the mirror. And that's something, as you know, I would argue, is the eternal logos, the truth made flesh and dwelling among us, the Alpha and the Omega, the second person of the Trinity, the one that defined himself as an alphabet, the beginning and the end. The Word with a capital W. The Truth with a capital T. The Way. The Life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Pick up your cross daily. Crucify yourself. Become a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. This is the message of Christ. This is the message of the gospel. We can correct this mess. Salerno is kind of throwing all the millions of young men and women that we've raised in this broken worldview. He's kind of tossing them away. I disagree with him on that. But his paragraph, other than that big mistake, is something we should attend to. He says, we can go, we, excuse me, we cannot go back and re-raise the millions of young men and women who are subjected to over-parenting and ubiquitous coddling. We must take them as they are. Hmm. I don't agree. 
Here he says this, though. We can, however, resolve to subject no more young people to a cultural mindset that creates future generations of forever children who repair to a safe space at the smallest provocation. Hmm. Now that's something you can take home and think about. I'll read that last sentence one more time. We can, however, resolve to subject no more young people to a cultural mindset that creates future generations of forever children who repair to a safe space at the smallest provocation. You know, I cover this issue in my book, Grow Up, obviously. That is what I'm saying, people. We have raised generations of forever children who want to run away and hide, repair to a safe space at the smallest provocation. You asked me a question I didn't like. You created self-doubt. You subjected me to questions that made me doubt myself. I'm going to walk off the court, walk off the stage, walk away from the job, walk out of the office because I need to go think more about myself and how you hurt my feelings and how I don't feel loved. This is what we're dealing with and we created the mess. We created the mess. We are like Dr. Frankenstein. We've pieced together a human being. In some cases, literally, we're cutting apart healthy human beings and piecing them together into something else physically and mentally and spiritually. And these monsters that we've created, they're not going to be happy. They're, they're going to turn on us. Go read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein again and read it in the context of this warning that our Dr. Frankensteinish overparenting and this ubiquitous coddling that we've employed in raising a generation of kids, students, that have been surgically altered and mentally deformed and spiritually castrated. We've gelded the stallion and now we bid him be fruitful. C.S. Lewis. And now these forever children recoil and run away to their safe spaces at the smallest provocation. If you think our enemies aren't watching, you're wrong. They see that America is loaded with this rather than courage and confidence that we now worship at the altar of feelings rather than the facts of life that actually demand that we act like adults rather than children. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.